if yeah, I mean it's not even shit. <laughs> well, cut this part. I spilled my coffee. <laughs> All right, so so here's so here's a question that I wanted to ask. I thought about Minecraft yesterday. I I think it's my favorite game still up to this day, uh, just creativity wise. One thing that I've always wanted to know is if Minecraft was possible with without having the blocks. So could you have a Minecraft with better graphics, or um, do you think that Minecraft is predicated on its uh, on its blockiness, like? Do you think that that's what makes it work so well? The building, the crafting, mm. uh, and everything like that. And yeah, because I've always wondered, I've always wanted a game that was as free form as Minecraft, mm. but maybe that had a a more like Breath of the Wild slash like Wind Waker aesthetic to it, something a little bit more pretty. And yeah, I've always I've always wondered if that was I guess possible um, to have more rounder things and in general yeah like i don't know I, I was gonna say like the first thing that came to mind when you're talking about that is like no man's sky where it does have like a very very pretty aesthetic and the planets are i don't know like the the whole art style is very stylized right but in in no man's sky can you actually build anything or alter the terrain at all or are the planets just you static can. Oh, you can Where, actually dig. Are you the one them. who told me all about No Man's Sky? <laughs> well, no, first. I maybe. I just I I thought I was I was fascinated by like No Man's Sky, uh, the the way they generated all of the planets and stuff. Um, I thought that was really right. cool, but I didn't know that you could uh that you could dig through them and like you can make alterations. But something, I think it's interesting. Ah, oh, man, it, it's kind of tough to say because I was gonna say. I feel like one of the reasons it failed and like one of the reasons I thought initially when I was looking at it that it didn't seem that fun was that it essentially was Minecraft if you stripped away the block, the power of the block mechanic. Because like in terms of the things you could do and um, kind of like the main gameplay loop, it had nothing to do with like creating and it was just more about exploring and killing. And I feel like a lot of players didn't really resonate with that. And then it kind of just fell off. <laughs> but the thing, it's interesting because they, they brought it back. Right, right. But I yeah. feel like they brought it back through multiplayer. And that added a whole other layer of discovering planets with friends. Yeah, yeah. They, I think, I think they, they, did, they made a lot of changes and updates to like resurrect it. But I guess I was just kind of wondering whether, whether the blockiness is a... Uh, it's almost as uh, like a design decision, or was that like, uh, or was that a hardware limitation? Because I think that you can you can have higher density, like you can have round uh, round terrain, and mm. you can have like digging through it and stuff like that. But um, mm. maybe it just makes the game harder to play. And yeah, I I, I don't know, I don't know. That's a good point because if you did like shrink the size or you increased like the the resolution of the blocks in the game it would make building just that much more of a hassle and i feel like you're kind of right that the 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 size of the blocks kind of helps the gameplay yeah yeah and it's funny because there's there have been so many minecraft clones uh 3d 2d just in general like a lot of games replicate minecraft like terraria <laughs> 
<laughs> which has a block size that is smaller than <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> I think, okay, something interesting about Minecraft 2 is that it really captures like that sense of, of Lego. And mm-hmm. like that's always been kind of the appeal for me. It's like Legos, but you get to interact with the things that you create and then like survive also in a world. Yep. It's just a great amalgamation of like a whole bunch of game mechanics that really works well together. I mean, yeah, I I just loved that I could always uh I don't know, I've I've always I've always been on the hunt for a game where you could do anything in. Like uh mm, like Terraria. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um that that was kind of my my question with regards to Minecraft. Um uh it was kind of ad hoc not really planned out i i Mm. thought about it yesterday and i don't know i've always been on the look for games that have cuter graphics or maybe something like animal crossing but you can also Mm. just build things but then i'm like if i build something with the animal crossing aesthetic it probably has to be within that aesthetic so would that not be blocks at that point or would the blocks be smaller and and then i'm like would the game just not work if it was if it was with that aesthetic does it just work because does it i guess it has to be blocky i think it does yeah i think if you had rounded like rounded like spheroids in the game i think i think that would just overcomplicate it Mm -hmm. and for one thing that would like alienate the the younger audience Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little I'm bit more. They're afraid of spheres. <laughs> I mean, that's that is where a huge player base is, though. You can't. No, but it's it's hilarious too because I think one of the one of the primary things people do in Minecraft is try to build circles. I remember spending <laughs> so much primary. time. This is my life's goal. Yeah, I was always trying to build fucking. I was trying to build domes and all of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Well, anyway, uh, let's move on to more serious topics that we've actually planned out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. No problem. Okay, so I wanted to talk about MMORPGs, mm-hmm. particularly MapleStory, because I grew up playing that. Okay. And for those who don't know, basically a whole bunch of players around the world get to join the same game instance and interact with each other, kill monsters, and like take quests and do whatever. What I wanted to talk about was it's very, very slow to progress through the game. Is this specifically MapleStory or any MMO? I feel like that happens in any MMO, right? Like you have to kill a crap ton of monsters to level up. And traditional video game design is like, we want to give people kind of like constant momentum and keep them interested in the game. But MMORPGs don't seem to do that. They kind of have really slow leveling rates from what I know. And I feel like people chalk that up to they're trying to gate progression so that they can build out more of the world. But what I think is like kind of a consequence of that is that since all of the players are kind of the same level and are hanging out in the same hunting grounds because they're leveling so slow, there's a bigger opportunity for them to like create parties and create communities. Okay, so I have to ask a few questions in order to mm-hmm. um, to get a better context for this because, uh, yeah, I don't sure. know if you knew, but I, I, I haven't played many MMORPGs. This is one of those uh, uh, genres that I've always wanted to get into. I don't think I've, ever, I've even played that many MMOs. 
I think at most one or two. And I've always wanted to play them. It's just, I really like games that uh, have this persistent world and it's living. You can be locked out and the world still goes on. Things change. And I, I think that's an amazing aspect. I didn't know that uh, they do that, that these game companies do that to slow progression down so that they can build out various parts of the world. But that makes complete sense because they want you to have an average progression. Like maybe like it would take, this is what, two months of content. And in those two months, they can build other stuff, which makes sense. And so you're saying that because of that, because people progress slower and because I guess most people are close to each other's levels, it kind of brings out community. Yeah. So in my experience, right, MapleStory was just painfully slow in leveling. It, like, it was really easy to get through the first 10 levels. And then from like 10 to 30, though, that would take like weeks to get past that. And because of that, everyone was just in the towns for levels 10 to 30. And mm -hmm. from there, like, there was so many people to interact with. Damn. Are you telling me that once you pass level 30, you wouldn't see these people? What I'm trying to it's, say is, do you think the levels make a difference? It's interesting you, you bring that up because they did eventually release like new islands that people would go to. And those were targeted for like players level 30 to 50 or I beyond see. that. And if you ever go there, they were completely empty. Or like you'd see like a high level player that here and there, but it just didn't have that same sense of community. And it's funny because you'd see the higher levels, maybe they'd train there, but then they'd go back to the beginner island just to hang out with people. <laughs> That's so funny. I think people just want to be with each other. Also, I'm going to ask this. I don't know if, if you can have houses in MapleStory, uh, but I you think can. that would be... <laughs> can you? You can't. Oh my god, awesome, great, because I want to play it now. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> can you invite other people to your house? I said you can't. <laughs> oh, you can't. Specifically cannot. Oh, You can't. Yeah, it's prohibited. Damn. That makes me really sad. Well, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> look, I like decorating stuff. But uh, what was your favorite part about MapleStory? Are you going to say community? Yes, it was, it was absolutely community. Because like, I would literally log on to see virtual friends in the game who I never met in real life. Wow. But um, yeah. What did you guys do? Do you guys just chat? We would just chat. Like we would actually just be training separately in our own maps, doing whatever, uh, or like, you know, buying stuff. And and then we just, there was like a chat specifically for people on your friends list. And we would just talk there and like hang out. Okay. It was so much fun. Did you ever feel like you wanted to do other things with your friends? Like go on some quests with, with your friends or maybe they had like an inn and you could play. Okay, I'm just mm -hmm. making stuff up right now. But imagine, imagine, <laughs> imagine like an inn uh, or like one of yeah. those taverns where you could play board games with your friends, uh, kind of like online, like chat rooms, but in a virtual space. So they did have like, they did have mini games, they had quests to do, but it's so funny because most players ignored all of that. Like they're and and they only did the quests that would net the best rewards, with no care for like the actual storyline of the quest or what the flavor text was. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I really feel at least this is so personally charged. Like I have no 
like statistics on this but yeah. like i feel like most people played just to like hang out in a virtual world with friends it, that's actually a lot of the appeal of minecraft too right like yes. you just get to hang out in a world in a singular universal context together and just do things and and it's so it's so so different from from like voice chat or just a just a chat room because I don't know there's something physical about it like you can like mm-hmm. run around and just uh there's something tangible about seeing uh putting some, your friend's voice onto a character and mm-hmm. I don't know there's just something amazing about that I think the game also just adds a lot in terms of things to talk about cuz like if you just have a chat room you're kind of there and you don't you have to come up with topics but with games you're just oh i'm doing this quest right now or like oh i finally leveled up like there's almost always something to talk about when you're in game and i'm sure like things like cosmetics and stuff like that they mm-hmm. they add to that because you can show off and also mm-hmm. uh i don't know recognize your friends and recognize people um yeah i've always wanted a game where i can just uh just hang out with friends and i think that mm. the best part about those kinds of games is that you're not committed. You don't have to play for a long time. You can just log in, hang out with friends. It's so low stakes, low commitment. And um, I don't know if you know the game Planetside. Uh, no. It's a, it's a, diff- a little bit of a different genre. MMO FPS, which is kind of weird, right? But <laughs> essentially okay. same concept. You have like 6,000 people in a server, except instead of you know talking with each other and being cute, uh, it's three factions, and you get to choose a faction when you start, and you just fight. It's like a war, Whoa. an all-out war across a continent. Um, and it's about territory control, and it's a first-person shooter the whole time. So you're like one soldier, and imagine storming a, a, like a, a lab, some kind of facility, and there is a thousand other people just running next to you and they're like putting respawn points down and and you know they're trying to like actually move forward and their strategy um mm-hmm. right but the, the problem with that was the most of the time that i played i didn't actually interact with anyone because we were just shooting each other down and um it didn't feel personal at all it almost felt like it could have just been replaced by ai uh and it would have been the same to me and the moments that i remember the most my favorite ones where we broke out of that cycle and just had some kind of interaction. So there was this one time where I accidentally ended up very deep in enemy territory, and uh, some some guy found me uh, on a on like a spaceship. Like he he was flying a spaceship, and he landed next to me. And he's an enemy, uh, so he could have jumped out. He could have shot me from his spaceship. He could have jumped out at any time and shot me with a gun. Whatever. Instead, he landed his spaceship and messaged me to get on. So I got on, and he flew me back to my my faction's side so that I, mean, I could be with This is an people. enemy. Yeah, an enemy. Completely, you know, that's not the point of the game. He didn't get points that's... for that or anything. And I just felt like that was mm. the coolest interaction I've had. And I don't know, I just wanted to be friends with that person. Because mm. it felt something so outside of, like, just aimless killing, I guess, yeah. I think more than anything, it feels... That makes it feel like a person. Because exactly. when they're just shooting at you, they're just... Like you said, like they're just AI. They feel like AI. Yeah, and it just felt like so real and so emergent. And I, I really, I really, really love that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's what I would seek out if I played MMO because genuinely, the differences between a regular RPG and an MMO RPG is the people. And 
if you wanted to just design an RPG, you could just make that a single player experience with a, a bunch of um, a bunch of NPCs. Instead, you have this whole amazing MMO aspect. So build systems around that, like player driven economy, you know, uh, yes. teams, whatever, anything like team events and and all of that. And I don't know. I think I think that's awesome. You're you're very right about that. I I think like different MMOs are cognizant of that, and only. <sighs> Sweet, sweet few are able to actually capitalize on the online aspect. Yeah, I don't know if you have any examples, but I don't. <laughs> there are definitely a bunch, but but that's the thing, right? Like with Maple Story, they definitely did. Like the community was addictive, but I don't know if it was intentional. And, and this is one of the points that you made. Did they include content that would facilitate the community? I feel like they did know community was important, and they tried to facilitate it. So, for example, they add things like party quests, which you could only do in like groups of three or four. But the lower level ones were, they they were like always being done. Some of the higher level ones, not really. Okay. And I don't don't know if that really facilitated the community either. Mm. You know, you know what I was going to say? Something that I feel like really, I always, again, I'm, I, I take, I take this from my personal uh, experiences with games and I realized that although I don't play games that often, most games I don't play on a regular basis, but I do love to log on. Guess what times? Within a year, it, it doesn't matter if it's like Team Fortress 2 or Call of Duty or um, an MMO or anything like that. But the times that I love to log into those games are holidays. Like Halloween when they have spooky events or uh, <laughs> or um, like the, you know, the Christmas uh, season and stuff like that. There's just something when the game developers put in some very unique timed events and like, I don't know, just it feels like it brings the community together mm. and everyone is equally excited and exploring something new. And I think that's so awesome when like everyone is on the same level again, just exploring something new. There's nobody clearly better than you. And it's not about that. It's just about having fun right now. And like, I don't know, it's just a little bit magical. <laughs> totally. It totally is. I don't know if Maple Story had those like Halloween events or anything. <laughs> they absolutely did. They they did. And the times I would log on, like the, at least the highest probability would be during holidays. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Now, another thing is that here's here's where it gets interesting, as if it wasn't interesting before. <laughs> but like here's here's where it gets interesting. My God. There was a big update. Uh, in Maple Story, I, I forgot what year it happened, but it was this event known as the Big Bang. I'm oh, not shit. joking. It was actually called the Big Bang. And what happened was they changed the speed of leveling so that it was much, much faster. Okay. And anecdotally, based on the conversations I've had with different players and just like online sentiment, it feels like that was the turning point in which the community became much more single player and like the community just started dying. What? And I feel like that is evidence that a slower leveling system actually facilitated the community. Wow, that is so, so interesting. Uh, Did, how? yeah, you don't know when it happened, right? You don't know when that update happened? Uh, I can look that up right now. It was so it was 2010 when the when the Big Bang happened. It's so funny that they call it the Big Bang, right? 
Um, there, there's also this phenomenon, right, where uh, very popular MMOs get like private servers for older versions of the game. I, I don't know if you've seen this with like World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, but MapleStory also has that too, where people have created, and it's called pre-Big Bang private servers to wow. go back to the old days. That is and people crazy. that means people are deliberately going back to slower leveling. Yeah, I mean, wow. Yes, that's weird. Uh, I was I was also gonna say that I think that uh, I don't know if you've ever followed Fortnite. I don't play it, mm-hmm. but I, I follow. Uh, it's kind of I've always found it interesting that the game developers they have these kinds of like uh, like season three. I don't know. This is probably not accurate at all, but at the start of every season. The map changes. So, for example, a giant meteor landed in the middle of the map. And from that point on, the entire map is altered for everyone in Fortnite. And so everyone plays on that island that continuously changes over time. So, yes, that meteor landed and it caused a bunch of anti-gravity and like weirdness and stuff like that. Um, And then, you know, further things happen, like a tidal wave and uh, just various things happen to that island. And it progresses and it changes. And I feel like the community always has something new to explore and to new mechanics to bond over. Like, I guess the meta changes in such a natural way. Like, it's not something that's like, okay, yeah, guys, yeah, we buffed this, we, we nerfed that. It's more like, yeah, here, this is what happened in the world. And it's mysterious. And you guys have to explore that and figure out how to use it now, how this changes the game. I think, you know, then clips show up on YouTube and people go crazy. And I think there's something very exciting about that. Um, yeah, I think in general, there's something exciting about being in the current moment. <laughs> and um, I, I think that a lot of games, like when they, when nothing changes, where everything is static, there's never a current moment because nothing ever changes. So yesterday is the same thing as today, as, as it will be in two weeks from now. It kind of doesn't matter. But when stuff is ever-changing it feels like i was a part of fortnite season three and that was that was my time fortnite season five you know maybe um i didn't i didn't play during that time and those players had their own unique experience and they they bonded over that and it's one of these games that's like yeah you i'm a i'm a season three player and like i was there when that happened and this happened and it was like the coolest shit and um i don't know some Further down the line, maybe new players in season 10 are like, yeah, man, oh my God, this happened. And I think it's it's really kind of interesting. It's like a, like a universe. And um, I, I did always like kind of admire, not, not even just necessarily Fortnite, but I, I just admire when developers like have the, the balls <laughs> to the balls. just like change the world like that, you know, mm-hmm. just to have persistent changes. I think it's super in, cool. In the experience of the player. And like the world that they're exploring. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, a lot of these uh, these kinds of games, again, uh, Elite Dangerous is a space game, mm-hmm. an MMO space game. And they just had an event where I think like 20,000 people teamed up to get to the center of the universe. And it was just this convoy of people uh, that was trying to establish a space station in the center of the universe. And yeah, it was like the largest online event, uh, I think in, in you know his, historically. Um, but yeah, for this all was of an the event pe- in the game. 
No, no, it, it was a it was a player driven event uh, because the Whoa. universe is big, and I guess the center of the universe. If they put a space station there, then they can explore out from there, like out from the center. They now have like a hub that they can. Whoa. Yeah, and so they traveled. Twenty thousand people traveled together uh, through the universe, and they the reason they did it together is because um, they needed to. Uh, because obviously there are griefers, there are players like pirates that want to kill them and stuff like that. That you know, so they needed to protect themselves from that. They needed to have enough supplies, enough uh, uh, fuel, and all of that to get there. And um, yeah, they had coordinated this on like Discord and everything weeks in advance, and they had rankings and and everything. Like, and this was completely player driven. Uh, and I think that is insane because for all of those players, they just made history essentially, and like they have something mm. to remember with each other like that is i don't know that's something that i would be excited to be a part of i guess i don't know if you've ever been a part of something like some kind of online event like that um, i yeah i don't think i can think of anything like that that's that's very that's honestly incredible yeah Th- that's like something like from a movie <laughs> yeah yeah but, I was, when i was reading it i was like holy shit <laughs> wow it kind of reminds me of whenever some mmos are shutting down for the final time like they're they're turning off the servers and no one can log in anymore mm-hmm. i've seen like this for a few games where like everyone just logs on on the final day and just like says goodbye to the game explores the world and like goes to the main hub and just like <laughs> Tell you, man, these just are the community moments has man. a funeral for the game and, that's so cool like there, there are a bunch of videos like that um i think i'm pretty sure there was something like that for um so we i was talking about like nostalgic private servers for like world of warcraft right i think when they closed down one of the biggest private servers Mm -hmm. um there was like one of these moments where there was like a parade just going through the world and saying goodbye to this this community that they've created amazing yeah no i but I haven't done that. <laughs> right, <laughs> I wish right. I have. Like, but you wish, you really wish cool. you had, right? You yeah. Wish. And yeah. yeah, like the day Maple Story closes, I will log on and and I'll parade through the streets uh, in my little chibi anime character. <laughs> and and yeah, I don't know. You'll have something in common with all the people there, and like, yeah, you know, you'll feel some kind of camaraderie, some kind of bonding. Um, yeah, I think that's that's I, wonderful. I don't know if I remember my login credentials, though. <laughs> so we, we talked about Minecraft and we talked about MapleStory. And I wanted to talk about how, you know, Minecraft has a procedurally generated world formed through algorithms, whatever notch put in there. And MapleStory was like handcrafted by its developers. And I wanted to talk about how how different those processes for developing worlds are and like kind of what the differences are, the pros and cons. I'm like a diehard handcrafted world kind of guy. <laughs> like I do enjoy procedurally generated experiences. And I think it's really great that it can be so dynamic and you know every time you boot in and it's like a different world a different seed a different run you have a completely different experience each time but 
what I do like about handcrafted worlds like MapleStory or like even single player games is that the developers are able to create key moments in your gameplay and have direct control over the pacing of that. You know? Yeah. I think I think I'm with you 100%, man. I think I'm with you. I, 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 I will take a handcrafted bespoke world mm-hmm. every time over a procedural world. Because yeah. honestly, um, unless like it's procedural in a way that uh, that is low-key handcrafted. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what you mean, though. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not the... Uh, I don't think I'm even like roguelikes and stuff like that. I'm not the. I mean, yes, the, that's a that's a genre that uh, that do definitely benefits from procedural. But you know, if I were playing Minecraft, ideally, I would never want to restart a world from scratch unless I wanna mm. unless I wanna you know survive my first night again and have that experience. But like to be honest, I would want to stick around because you get to know your world, you get to know that mountain and this landmark, and like it becomes mm. yours and right. <laughs> maybe but, i just even, get attached you know yeah even one of the benefits of that though is that with procedural you can also make it infinite like you still have the same world instance but that's true you know you can just keep going that's true and with handcrafted you have to keep you have to keep handcrafting <laughs> i mean i think i think you can strike a balance a mix between the, those two mm. uh maybe uh maybe like I, I don't know how that would work for uh, for one one kind of uh like land but if you have different planets, maybe some of them could be handcrafted, some could be procedural generated. So you have like an infinite breadth of content that people can explore. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm the type to say that like procedural is kind of boring because it's all the mm-hmm. same anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to say like when like even though it's procedurally generated, like I, I made that big statement of like oh, it's different every time. And every time you go back, like it's it's a new experience. But with procedurally generated content, certain experiences, it starts to fall into tropes. Like yeah. there, there are chunks that are very, very similar. Well, that's the thing. Like if you want it to be interesting uh, and procedural, then you have to just create more content. Like, like I guess the ideal procedural is where it's completely random, right? Like where it's a full total world of just unique stuff. At that point, yeah. it's handcrafted. <laughs> um, like even restarting Minecraft, I'm like, okay, this is the desert. This is the tundra. Okay, great. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or this is the temple, and it probably looks exactly the same yeah, as last time. Exactly. Exactly. And it's but like yeah, even like this is the temple. You know exactly what to expect from that temple. There's only so far that procedural can go. And I think that that's, it's just procedural. There's a procedure behind it. There's some kind of, you know, algorithm. I like the way No Man's Sky did it, where they generate completely unique animals based on some kind of, you know, some, some algorithm that, you know, randomizes the animals, the creatures, the, the, the fauna, the flora. So that kind of adds a layer to it because then it's procedural, but you have a lot of variation, uh, because in Minecraft, you just have your set number of animals and, and monsters, and that's it. And you know what to expect. But I still think that you can craft a better experience if it's handcrafted. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. There, there are definitely huge benefits. Like, it's 
pros and cons <laughs> and you you kind of have to figure out what works better for your game main gameplay loop yeah because th- minecraft yeah. wouldn't work in a handcrafted world <laughs> and yeah i think i think you're totally right that's what it comes down to it's like if you're trying to design a game i think i think that some games uh, do benefit like definitely roguelikes i can't imagine them being handcrafted you know <laughs> Well, th- that ends up just being like a game, <laughs> like a single player game, <laughs> right? Like yeah. an old, yeah. Um, That's true. Like Castlevania or something. That's exactly um, it. Yeah. Another point here that I wanted to talk about was Minecraft is different from MapleStory in that in Minecraft, with different seeds and different worlds, like one player's experience is different from another player's. Whereas with MapleStory and handcrafted worlds, this town is always this town. It's always here. Like I have the same exact context for the other millions of players in this game. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Minecraft, like there are no landmarks that I can point to. Um, it's only the ones in my world and only the people who've played in my world that can talk about that. And one of the strengths I think in handcrafted worlds like MapleStory is that everyone can talk about it um whenever they were playing i i actually remember one time where i was trying to I, I was teaching kids and i wanted to like you know seem a little bit more relatable and approachable and i knew that they were all really into minecraft so i, I just wanted to talk about it with them but what am i supposed to talk about other than the mechanics like our worlds are different the way we play is different and it's 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 so hard to relate because we don't have that same context, the same mm-hmm. world. Yeah, you can only you can only describe uh, the yeah, gameplay. Yeah, you can only describe what your experiences, and they kind of have yeah. to take it at like face value. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, dude! I also cut down a tree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that, that's another point for handcrafted worlds is that the experience is the same for everybody, and I, I feel like that from that comes another community too because Hell everyone yeah. has the same yeah experience. it makes you feel so connected to everyone else because you guys are in the same world in the same place yeah yeah exactly i think that another aspect of this and 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 i think you hit it right on the dot that like uh being in the same world makes us feel connected to each other but this is yeah. hilarious because minecraft has made me feel so lonely <laughs> Like, okay, okay. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, like, there's something so distinctly, you know, especially when you when that music comes up, and like, you just feel mm. alone in that world, and it doesn't help when, yeah, like you build your own little house, and that's like your corner of the world, but it feels like your forest <laughs> is no different from the forest that would be generated, um, you know, mm. five miles from you, and like, it's this endless, infinite world that kind of doesn't matter um and there's nothing there's nothing special in it there's nobody there and yeah it just yeah. it just makes you feel i don't know that the infinite that the infiniteness of it just makes you feel alone whereas yeah. this handcrafted world that that everyone is in makes us feel together I, I was gonna say like an interesting middle ground that is really popular is that minecraft will have these large large servers yeah like factions and stuff and like yeah, yeah where everyone has that single context again and they're basically simulating real life at that point <laughs> mm-hmm. and they, yeah, but but people are drawn to having that same experience and having something shared that they can talk about yeah they're basically handcrafting the world for themselves 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but it's still handcrafted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, but I'm saying like, they, yeah, they start off they st- they start off in a world, and and the context is that they're in the shared world, and then they're like, oh, some mm-hmm. people build a city somewhere, and then these people build like something else, and then maybe mm-hmm. those people at some point cross paths, and it's like, oh wow, there's a yeah. city here. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, we built that city. <laughs> Yeah, it's completely like, get off our server. <laughs> this is a private server with eight people. How'd you get on here? <laughs> I went on a trip uh, like two weeks ago camping, and mm-hmm. I was just uh, pulling into a parking lot uh, that was very packed. And I was like, this would never work with self-driving cars. Like the amount of on the spot thinking that I need to do to park my car, to like navigate around all the other cars and like figure out, because it was literally packed and there was no space and we just needed to adjust, I guess, on the spot. And um, I was like, yeah, like in general, automation follows patterns and structure. Uh, And you need structure in order to have automation because if you don't have rules, then how can you ever, you know, I guess, Work, you know, it's computers. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that currently fully autonomous cars are possible. Do you think self-driving cars are possible? It's the, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be better than humans. Like it, it doesn't need to perfectly do it every time. It doesn't need to have a hundred percent success rate. It just needs to be a better percentage than humans. And already the utility is, it it already, it already justifies itself being on the road. Oh no. I mean, I completely agree with that. And I think that we've gotten to that point already where, you know, we have lane assist that helps people stay in the lane and we have automatic braking that helps people avoid collisions. And I think these systems are amazing, but this is assisted driving where the driver still needs to take over from time to time. We even have like, you know, self-driving cars that can drive on highways, uh, which is great. But I am specifically talking about full automation where you don't have a steering wheel, you don't have pedals, you can just read a book and the car will handle all possible situations. And I'm like, you know, that is freaking impossible because even in New York City, every pothole every road closure there's just so much uncertainty happening around you there's like you know cyclists uh weather conditions you know fallen leaves that you can mistake for for birds for example or like you know the car has to do that i i know what the difference is right but the car it's it's a computer i mean yes even with machine learning it's still it's still statistics it's still um based on patterns and rules that it it comes up with and I feel like the real world just is missing patterns. We didn't, we didn't design our world around self-driving cars. We designed it around humans. And, and like, yeah, like there are tight spaces. There are weird things that you have to do and dirt roads. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, yes, computer assisted, whatever uh, driving is so useful, especially to prevent fatigue and like sleeping. But I'm talking about like specifically full autonomy that people have been talking about you know you can sip tea and sleep and i'm like "Mm, i I don't i don't think so (laughs) you Um, can play a driving game (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that is funny um i one i think it's possible yes i think there are two main ways that you would need to go about it one is you you said that like there's just so much uncertainty and like so much 
external variables that are not necessarily accounted for in whatever model they're using to do self-driving, right? So one way I can see this working is if they reduce the uncertainty by just like through legislature, like you can't have these or like through infrastructure, they're they're just reducing ah, the nice. possibilities for uncertain variables to be introduced onto the road. So like no more road closures that are, or like maybe they'll have obvious signs that can be picked up by autonomous vehicles for these for these algorithms. Or, you know, maybe they put a giant net over the city so that birds can't fall onto the street. Something like that. The other way that I can see is it would require really, really powerful AI. Whenever I think about problems like these, I think that it, it's like this question of, can a machine do anything a human can do, right? Yep. And, and like, I believe we can eventually get to the point where machines can do anything a human can do, right? It may take a million years <laughs> or some really absurdly long amount of time, but I believe it. And we would need to get to a point where computers can recognize these external variables because the, the reason we can avoid it is because we have that outside context of like we understand things outside of driving we know birds yep. are birds we know like we know certain obstacles and things like that exactly and because of that we're able to avoid and then just cognitively understand we should avoid things so we would need to to get ai to the point of understanding outside context as well we're also incredibly adaptive even if we're we're facing a situation that we haven't been in before. And I mean, I think like with respect to driving, I've had a lot of these where I'm not, I haven't been in in certain situation before, but I can adapt to it based on my previous experience. And like right on the spot, I'm like, you know, this is what makes common sense. It's just like Mm. in the moment, even if I have no experience prior, this is what makes sense. And that's what I'll do. Um, Yeah. And I just, I just feel like right now, and Mm -hmm. I don't think in the near future, It'll be at a point where like computers can be like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna go around you, dude. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but you did bring up some amazing points because I did, I did read a few articles before I, um, t- I wanted to talk to you about this because I wanted mm-hmm. to see if my opinion uh, was right. <laughs> yeah, if I was right. No, but I wanted to see if, uh, if this has been discussed before and mm. the exact things you said, legislature and like law. And infrastructure mm-hmm. are the two of the three points. Three. Yeah, the third point is uh, communication. So interesting. You can have cars that are always connected to each other. Mm-hmm. So instead of right now relying fully on lidar and sensors and mm. ML, you can just have cars that broadcast locations to each other. You can have road closures that are like I guess wired like the, the iot road closure that goes like yeah man you can't go on this road and the car goes mm-hmm. like, oh, okay thanks man scan this qr code exactly exactly <laughs> but yeah uh, that's that's exactly what was brought up in those articles that we need to make things like uh signage uh the lane markers all of those things have to, like our infrastructure has to be completely i think well like brought up to the standard mm-hmm. that's these cars can recognize these things at and also people were saying that Maybe we have to redesign our infrastructure, our cities. Maybe we can mm. make roads that are connected to the cars that, you know, mm. like, because people have been 
architects or like urban planners have been trying to redesign cities around a self-driving car future where, for example, cars just drop you off at their location and then disappear somewhere instead of like finding parking and, you know, all of that weird stuff. So, yeah, I think in order, like, you know, you're saying you, you reduce the uncertainty through better design. I've been dealing with this kind of at my job and I realized that first you have like this, this, uh, this field of crap. Like for example, first you build the roads and all that. And then years later, you decide to apply structure onto this. And sometimes it just, you need to refactor completely or you need to take everything that was non-greenfield that, that already exists and you have to standardize it. And I just think that that's the only way that will achieve uh, like full autonomy uh, is if we, if, if we strive towards standardizing all of our conditions. But it's amazing that yeah. you brought up those points because it's like you didn't read the article and you just hit the exact <laughs> markers. Um, and yeah, with, with respect to like legislature and law, they were saying that um, mm-hmm. like right now we have flights that don't operate in like inclement weather, like air, airlines. So uh, maybe self-driving car laws would take a note out of the airlines and like, oh yeah, guys, it's too rainy or too snowy and yeah. you can't drive right now. Or like, you know, I think it's interesting that you, you were talking about how like urban planners are trying to like streamline Mm -hmm. city design for this, yeah, or at least they're thinking about it because I was going to say that like urban cities, sure. It's, it's like nearly impossible at this point to, to get it working well, or like there are just too many issues with the uncertainty, but in more rural parts of the world or even just like suburban areas it's perfectly fine at least at least from what i know oh yeah Um, i mean i think they're even uh beta testing in a lot of places full autonomous cars yeah in Mm, suburbs absolutely yeah Yeah, no i I think it's totally possible in the suburbs you you have a lot less population density a lot less stuff happening and also there's just more uniformity the roads are more uniform like in new york Mm. connedison is digging this road you have a pipe sticking out of that road you have a pothole in this road yeah there's definitely a long road ahead like regardless of how it's implemented like there's just so many considerations yeah but i really do feel like we could get pretty close in our lifetimes honestly yeah i think i think so too but i don't think it's gonna be like like people say um yeah like just sit back and tomorrow uh, you know, because people have been mm. predicting like 2021 and I'm like, no, yeah, <laughs> that's not happening. To, to be fair, the the arc of progress, technological progress is just so ridiculously fast. Like cars have really come a long way. No one would have even imagined the the point at which we're at right now. Well, even even like, yeah, I mean, with self-driving cars, I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is crazy. The the speed at which things. By the way, uh, officially there are five levels of driving automation. It go. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry, six. It goes from zero to five. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can throw zero out because it means no automation. Uh, but okay. then it, yeah. But then it goes up. Uh, one is driver assistance. So a single automated system, like for example, monitors speed through cruise control. The second is partial automation, that is mm-hmm. um, steering and acceleration but the human still monitors all things. And then three is conditional automation. Uh, environmental detection capabilities can perform mm-hmm. most driving tasks. 
but human override is still required. For high automation, the vehicle performs all driving tasks under specific circumstances. Geofencing is required. I don't know what the hell that means. Anyway, human override is still an option. And five is full automation. Vehicle performs all driving tasks under all conditions, zero human attention. Mm. People say that right now we are between two and three. Partial automation, uh, and we're going towards conditional automation that like the vehicle kind of can operate itself under most conditions. conditions. Yeah, where it's trying to get there. And I, th- I think that's that's totally, yeah, it's totally valid. Like, I mean, Tesla and, and a lot of these companies like Waymo and all of that, they are, they're doing it. But I think that you can only go so far until you have to rethink the entire system. Yeah, I, I think this, you're right. It's, it's the system that might need some, some form of refactoring. <laughs> yeah, instead of retrofitting, instead of retrofitting this solution towards our existing world, maybe we have mm-hmm. to redesign our world to, to fit it better. And I think that slowly cities will start doing that. And like in general, you know, places will start doing this more and more that um those levels are really interesting because Mm. i was gonna say earlier that like an added way that we could add more flexibility in there is you know most conditions we let the the automated car do its thing but then it has some kind of like external variance threshold where it's like i don't understand what the heck's in front of me it stops and then it gives control back to the driver or like whoever's in the car. And it's like, I can't handle this. I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. And better safe than sorry. It's just going to stop or like that. that That's kind of hard too. But like, yeah, it, it finds a way to hand over control to you in a safe way so that you take over. But this happens like what? 5% of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another way I can see this being a little bit more successful too. And and that falls into like one of those that falls into one of those levels where you were saying like that's right. conditional control. Yep, that's or exactly conditional it. automation. Automation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. Level three. Um, I've been thinking about this because I'm working with a network of devices like routers and switches and servers and stuff, and I'm trying to design a management solution for this and Mm -hmm. i realized that i'm trying to i'm trying to design structure around things that never had structure to begin with so there are a lot Mm -hmm. of exceptions and a lot of edge cases and i'm like we can either design the structure around like we can either like for example design a schema around the exceptions and edge cases or we can standardize and get rid of those exceptions and actually have uniformity and a proper schema because, you know, what's a schema if it allows anything, right? Like if they, if I try to design a schema and, and people tell me like, oh no, there's actually an exception. You can't, we can't restrict that. And I'm like, okay, so you basically are allowing anything. So at that point, uh, it's chaos, which is what we have now. And if we ever want to have true automated management, which is what I guess mm. my company is striving towards in, in this like network or like the infrastructure, even within like, okay, we want to spin up an instance automatically, like a server, and we want to have all of the rules applied to it automatically, or like, you know, without any human intervention, do some stuff. It's it's built on rules and structure. And if it doesn't have that, then how could we ever automate? And that's what got me thinking about, you know, self-driving mm-hmm. cars. And So have you introduced legislature and like completely upended the 
destroy is that your solution <laughs> um well yeah um we decided that the future is to is to actually standardize and the thousands of existing devices we have to strive to like you know making them uniform in terms of legislature well we're forming a team of people that is going to review schema changes to like i guess encourage good design with like with regards to schema but um what i'm trying to get at is a lot of things in the world are first built and then afterwards thought through from a design perspective like for example we built our infrastructure just as a thing like we built our roads we built all of that right and even mm-hmm. within the company they have a network of routers and all that they didn't really care about the design of it they didn't care about structure they didn't you know care about rules or you know and then once things become too large once the scale goes to a point where you need automation where you kind of just can't do everything with humans alone you need structure you need some kind of formal uh mm. yeah and that's when you start designing things and you're like oh man i want to properly build this and it's hilarious because that's what usually happens we build something first and then we apply structure to it instead of we start off with structure and everything follows that structure from the get go and then it's super easy right. to scale um yeah so I, i just think that at a certain point our roads and and everything will have to have like a bit of a redesign uh for mm. the modern day i just think this approach to solving problems yeah is so powerful mm-hmm. in that if you have something that is or seems like an impossible problem you change the problem mm-hmm. so we have this situation with autonomous cars or um you were talking about like the management of the systems right and because of the way things were structured and whatever it's impossible to solve so what you do is you change the system itself you change the problem exactly. instead of working your solution to fix something that is impossible i just think that's so powerful yeah because sometimes you don't know what patterns are what what is the structure sometimes you just need to like build like you know we built the roads and then when we start you know we have to figure out what patterns are what are the true patterns what is the real structure and then right. and then that's yeah and then we're like oh man yeah this this is impossible if we don't <laughs> enforce some kind of rules so that you know cars aren't going crazy yeah. and that's that's when we yeah rethink it I, i think it's just so i think a lot of people forget that you can place limits on things and like the the predicate of your problem can be limited you know that's, what i mean like you can yep. you can fence off certain parts of it yep that's even something that i forgot when i was designing my solution that like i i shouldn't be trying to solve an impossible problem given these kind of like limitlessness and like this is not i can't be solving it in this domain i need to change my scope a little bit um and then i mean a more uniform whatever is just way easier to solve and to manage and deal with uh mm. as a final question yeah Have you ever been in a Tesla? Um only in the showroom. I've uh I've sat in it and it feels really nice. Um <laughs> but I wasn't be- I wasn't able to take it on like a test drive or anything. I see. What about you? You, you mean the Tesla didn't get to t- take you on a test drive? <laughs> oh yeah, you, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? But um 
I have. One time <gasps> I got an Uber. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it was a Tesla. But what I wanted to say, the reason I ask you is, did you have to open the door yourself in the showroom? Um, you're telling me the doors open themselves? <laughs> no. They don't open. Well, maybe they do. I mean, I wouldn't. <laughs> they yeah, have I the had cars autonomous, but not myself. the doors. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I had to open it myself. But, um, the handles, they confused the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. Like, the fact that they because go they're inside. completely flush with the side of the car. Yeah. And I didn't know what to grab or how to grab it. So I was just like walking up to the to the to the Uber and and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I think I think when you like when you hover your hand near, right, it pulls out. No. It comes out. I think you're supposed to you like press it in on one side and that pushes it out on the other, almost like a lever. And then you pull that. I think I could be wrong. Apparently, I don't know how to handle a door anymore. <laughs> Definitely, the Tesla handles. Yes, they they are flush against the car. They're like inside, but I do mm-hmm. think that they automatically come out. Like the little handle comes out. I thought it came out when like you unlock the car, but apparently it, you maybe you just have to get close to it. It didn't. I put my hand over it and nothing happened. I thought it was a button at first. I like tried to press it. <laughs> yeah, that was just the embarrassing little anecdote well that's it man that's it. yeah thanks for the conversations buddy and i hope you have a good day <laughs> oh, wow thank you thank you so much <laughs> yeah, very formal man <laughs>